Does picking an outfit have you running a little too fashionably late? We get it. Great taste takes time. That's why Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery, has your back with the largest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, delivered in under 60 minutes. Convenience never goes out of style. So if you need to spend some extra time in the mirror instead of at the store, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. This is Jay Scott, and you are listening to The Hook, the ultimate rock community podcast. Hope everyone's having a great day. I'd like to welcome back Crash Crafton to the podcast. We last heard from Crash when we talked about Richie Kotzen, the awesome guitar player. How are you doing today, Crash? Doing really good. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks again for doing this. Appreciate you coming back on. We had a fun not discussion. A problem, problem. Yeah, it was great talking about Richie Kotzen and all entails. And I know there's so much more that we didn't cover during that conversation. Oh, yeah. Maybe we'll do a part two at some point, but, part um, two through yeah, they do like a mini series like roots yeah. or something like that, you know, yeah. but, uh, a band that you and I have also spoken about is our next topic, a band that people should be listening to the country rock, the Southern rock, the blues rock, the hard rock band, Blackberry Smoke from Atlanta, Georgia, is who we will be discussing today. You know, when I mentioned Blackberry Smoke on Twitter, I saw them twice earlier this year. Um, They came to Waukegan, Illinois, which is about 30, 40 minutes outside Chicago. And then the next night they played in Rockford, which is about an hour and a half outside of Chicago. So I bought tickets for the Waukegan show, never saw them live. And was just completely blown away. It was their acoustic show. They were doing an acoustic tour. And the style or the stage was more or less like a living room. So I went and saw them. Was completely blown away. Went and saw them the following night in Rockford. Again blown away. The opening act was Ida May, which is a band out of the UK. A blues um, outfit. A husband and wife that were just incredibly awesome as well. But uh, And then I saw them the other night with Tedeschi Trucks Band up here in Aurora. And they were the opening act. They did a 45-minute set. It was it was an electric set, not the acoustic. And I know they're coming back in September at the House of Blues in Chicago with a band called The Record Company, who I've yet to check out. But I've seen them three times in the last five months. An awesome band. Charlie Starr is more or less the the brains, the leader behind the band. He's the lead vocalist and guitar player. They feature Richard Turner on bass, Britt Turner, the Turner brothers, Richard Turner and Britt Turner on bass and drums. Paul Jackson, guitar and vocals, helps the, the harmonizing of, of their of their lyrics and their songs. And then Brandon Still on keyboards. So what was your introduction to Blackberry Smoke Crash? Um trying to trying to remember exactly what year it was either two i think it was 2002 um 
went to see Jackal and uh, talking with Jesse James Dupree, and he was telling me about him. He had just produced him and told me to get a hold of Britt, who's the drummer, and get a hold of him. They had like a three song demo out at that time, and so I emailed him and week or two later got three song demo and it had oh shoot it's got train rolling on it sanctified woman i'm drawing a blank on the third track that i had on it normal town normal town normal town sanctified woman and train rolling were the three tracks that were on this demo and i was like really impressed and from there just been following him ever since yeah, they put out they put out their first CD in two thousand three in full length through uh, they well they put it out you know independently. Was that the was it the records. Bad Luck Ain't No Crime album? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, they um they released that record and then they took like six years to put out the next one, Little Piece of Dixie. Um, yeah, you know, it's a kind of surprised that you know so much time in between records, but they do a lot of touring, you know, as evident as I just talked about. I mean, they are they are the quintessential road dog band, you know. They yeah. they they do, you know, another band that's that I'm that I'm familiar with that I like a lot is Lucero, who I've turned you on to. They're another band that is constantly on the road, and it's really indicative of the music industry because the in any money that you're going to make you, you got to tour you got to sell merch you got to get out there and, and 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 play in front of the people right yeah they put well they put out that uh new honky tonk bootlegs there in between that and little piece of dicks uh between bad luck and little piece of dixie but okay that was just an ep why that was kind of a weird time for them because they got hooked up with dan huff the super producer um and justin Neebank and some people and then like they were wanting them to write with other people and they were hanging around like the Nashville scene or whatever doing Charlie was doing writing sessions with other people and they did that little piece of Dixie record in sections like a couple songs here and then four or five months later would do a couple more because of damn schedule and so that's part of the reason why it took so long that and they were on tour all the same time but they did. They did put out that new honky tonk bootlegs in between there. But yeah, they were they were on the road that whole time. Dan you Huff know. is the uh, big producer out in Nashville. Does a lot of country records, and he was also in the band Giant from the yeah. late '80s, early '90s era of music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and ironically, a, he also produced. Didn't he produce? Uh, was it Cryptic Writings by uh, Megadeth? I think he did. I think, yeah, you might be right on that. Yeah. Giant, I mean, that was a great band. That was an AOR band, basically. You know, they had a couple hits on MTV, but he's found his way in the music business as a big-time producer. Did he end up doing anything with them? I mean, I know he did that one recording with them, but did he do anything else with them at all? No, they only, they only did that one record, the piece of Dixie record with okay. Dan Huff, thankfully. Um, I, I don't know. I like that record, but to me, it's too. I think he tried to make them into, you know, or wanted to make them into the whole what's current Nashville thing. And I think he, I don't know, overproduced it is the best way to put it. The country pop scene um, in Nashville. Yeah, he. Yeah, okay. I'm trying to be politically correct. <laughs> well, yeah, 
I've often said, you know, I mean, I love old school country, right? Like the country pop is very similar to the 80s, you know, hair metal era. And I hate to use that term, but people do identify with it where like you, I can't tell the difference between one artist and another. Uh, right. Exactly. Yeah. It's everything sounds the same. Everything's about beer drinking and whatever. Um, it just, there's very, yeah, there's just very few artists that come out of that whole genre. I want to say Zach Brown, but I wouldn't even consider Zach Brown part of that whole thing. I think Zach Brown's his own entity and his own, own person and his own artist getting black to back blackberry smoke. So yes, I mean, they, they did the little piece of Dixie, but they really kind of broke through with the Whippoorwill. Right. Ironically on Zach Brown's label. Yes. Southern ground. Yeah. Yep. Well, they had some, they had some issues there. Ironically, or not ironically, but oddly enough, the first record company that they put out little piece of Dixie on, if I remember right, like the record label president died like right after they put that record out, which was on a record company called big karma. And so, you know, they got the record back and then they put it out on Bama jam and they were getting a good amount of traction, you know, playing some larger festivals and bigger shows and, you know, opening for different acts and stuff. And then the head of Bama jam ends up going to prison for bribing politicians down there in the South, somewhere, Alabama or Georgia or somewhere, you know, so they were once again without a record label. You know, and then Zach Brown gave him a home and with the Whippoorwill, which I think is a masterpiece of the record. Yeah, it's a great record. You know, oh. I mean, it and shows a lot of growth as a band in Charlie's songwriting. Yes. I mean, Six Ways to Sundays, or Six Ways to Sunday, Pretty Little Lie, One Horse Town, which is a huge recognizable song by them. Um, Ain't Much Left to Me, which I love. Um, the title track, it's just... You know, Shaking Hands with the Holy Ghost is another cool track. Up the Road. Yeah, it's a really great record. And Got the Blues. What was the guy bribing politicians with? A, a record owner. I That I don't know the full story behind it, but yeah, he went, ended, up going to, ended up going to prison for bribing politicians. And something was, well, I don't know, I think it was like a, I think if I remember right, I mean, it's been... 10, year, 10 plus years ago had something to do with some tax uh, tax thing with entertainment venues or something uh, it's vaguely what I remember and off the top of my head mm-hmm. but yeah so that went, you know that went belly that record label went belly up because of that you know and they they was the record label was called Bama Jam and they had that big Bama Jam festival and all that and then yeah the owner of it got caught bribing politicians or whatever. Wow. <laughs> they going to prison for it. Now they also gained a lot of popularity to being connected with the sons of anarchy show. Right. They had a lot of yeah. songs or a couple songs. I don't know if they released, you know, soundtrack albums or people identified with the music during the show, but I know that was a big catalyst for them too. Yeah, I can't remember what song. I mean, they had a couple of songs placed within episodes. I can't remember which ones they were, though. Yeah, I don't know but. either. I don't know either. But I know I've heard people talk about that. And I've heard even members of the band talk about how that helped them. 
uh, right. you know, gain some notoriety. And, and that really is a, a lot of people do that now. I mean, that's, I mean, you think about what was that one hospital show? Um, I think it's still Grey's Anatomy where a bunch of singer songwriters yeah. would get their songs on, you know, that show. And it was such a, a huge popular show that, you know, that's how people get their music out, you know, because radio is not going to play you anymore. And unless you're on YouTube searching for it, people aren't going to find you. So you need an outlet like that. And bands like Blackberry Smoke, you know, Pete Droge, uh, who's a singer songwriter out of Washington, state of Washington, uh, is, you know, had a lot of songs placed in movies and, and TV shows. And the list just goes on. But that's really how a lot of artists get discovered and how they get exposed. Right. Yeah, I remember what show was it? Was that NCIS they were on? They, you know, they opened up, they, they were, they actually performed on it, Long Order or something. Anyways, it was only a few years ago. And I remember like my mom called me. She's like, me and your dad are watching TV. Guess who just performed on this TV show? And I'm like, did it be Blackberry Smoke, Mom? Yeah, how'd you know? <laughs> you know, but it was they were on like Law and Order or NCIS or something like that, you know, where they actually performed in a scene on it or whatever. You know, you know, here's my parents, you know, because I always had the hat on or a t shirt. I mean, I got I got their logo tattooed on my arm actually. Awesome. You know, so but you know, and I was always I always send my parents their new CDs and stuff, whether they I know my mom listens to them, whether my dad does or not. I don't know, but my my mom will tell me, you know, oh, I like this and I like that and I like this and I like that. You know, they're just, you know, there is one of their favorite shows they like to watch or whatever. I don't watch, I haven't had cable in years, so I don't watch <laughs> TV. So. No, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they have such a, a, a wide variety of audience, right? In the, in the, right. the three times that I've seen them, I've seen, you know, your, your, your blue collar guy, I see your white collar, you know, people, I see kids, I see grandparents, teenagers. So they really, you know, have a huge, a huge wide variety of fans. Um, yeah, it's definitely expanded from when I first saw them, mm -hmm. which was in a little tiny club and it was a bunch of drunk hellraisers. And then the second time I saw them was in, 2008, they opened for ZZ Top on the opening uh, show of their uh, In Your Face tour there in Wichita at Century 2. And I interviewed the guys before the show or whatever. And then, we, you know, my girlfriend and I at the time went and watched the show. And we were back on the soundboard, you know, watched them or whatever. And it was, I was sitting there and I'm like, and Wichita is predominantly, it's either rap or country anything else they don't really grab onto or, you know, celebrate, you know, it, you got to be rapper country. And I thought, Oh God, it's a bit, you know, ZZ top, obviously it was a packed house, you know, and they opened up, they played 35 or 40 minutes. I can't remember what it was. And I remember sitting there at the end of it, when the lights come up and like, everybody's looking at each other and like, Holy shit, that was really good you know, all the people that we could hear and see with, you know, in our range. And I'm just sitting there going, yes. You know, and so they were signing, they had a merch booth, you know, out in the, the commons area or whatever, or whatever. So I was like, well, I'm going to go out and, 
you know, tell the guy's good show and whatever before ZZ Top comes on. And that merch booth was packed. I mean, it was like the line was like around because it's in a big century choose this big circular building, mm-hmm. like in the round type of a deal. And I mean, the freaking line was just packed. And I'm like, yes. You know, I mean, T-shirts are flying off the shelves, CDs, you know, and I'm, I was just like, hallelujah. And then it took another four years for them to get back to Wichita, which kind of perturbed me because, I, you know, I'd be hounding, you know, booking agents and stuff. Why don't you bring this band in? Well, they don't really have that big of a following. And I'm like, my ass, they don't. They're opening up for Zach Brown and Eric Church and Skinner and ZZ Top. And, you know, just because they're not gangster rap or wearing skinny jeans up there talking about their tailgate and their red solo cup, you know, you know, that's, that's such a, that's such a hard thing to measure these days too. When a promoter says that, Oh, they don't have much of a following. How does a, how does a local promoter figure that out? Because there's so many platforms for exposure now, you know, I mean, it used to be, you could look at the billboard charts or you can look at album sales and you could say, oh, this band is, you know, where it's at. We need to bring them in. But Adam, you know, album sales are what they are, and they're going to continue to decline unless it's a rare anniversary edition or something like that. Even then, you've got it's almost like pulling teeth for people to buy that that physical format, right. that physical copy. So then you have YouTube hits, you've got Spotify listens, but there's so much, there's so many avenues people can grab the music. And, and, and how do you determine, how does, a, how does a promoter in Wichita determine how many people are going to come see Blackberry Smoke? I would think Wichita being one of the more larger cities in Kansas, people would come and see them, right? People right. would come from parts of Colorado, maybe parts of Nebraska, you know, obviously Kansas, maybe a little bit of Oklahoma. I, I imagine that people would come and see that band if, 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 you know, they're not playing somewhere close in proximity to Wichita. Right. Yeah. It took, it took another four years. Uh, they played there on the Whippoorwill tour in 2012 at the, it's a place called the Cotillion or is it's, it's known as the round mound of sound. It's like a, a band shell. It's really cool. Like one of the old orchestra band shells inside of a building. And, you know, it's got a lot of ambiance and sonics and the acoustics in it are really unique and cool. You know, I've heard everything from death metal bands to, you know, acoustic music in there. And I've never heard crappy sound unless it was a sound guy didn't know what to do. Right. And they played there and I was like, oh, please, Wichita, don't let me down. You know, don't let me down. And they had a, I mean, I don't think it was, you know, at capacity, but it was up there. And then they played there uh, in February of this year. And I wasn't able to make the show because it was right after I had the concussion. The doctor's like, yeah, you're not going. You know, it was like two days after I got my really bad concussion, so I wasn't able to go. But, you know, from what I understand, I had some friends that went and they said it was pretty packed to them. But so they've only played Wichita three times. They were supposed to play one time in 2004 with Skinner at the Riverfest thing. And then I do believe that was when Johnny Van Zandt's dad died or mom died, one of the two. 
but they were just pulling into Wichita. And when the Skinner guys got the news of that, and so, you know, obviously Skinner canceled so he could go home to deal with that. And then the Riverfest people, library, the stage was up. The PA was flown. I was there, you know, because I was going to hang out with the guys. And everything was up and ready to go. And Blackberry Smoke offered to play. They're like, get some local acts. We'll play, you know, three hours if we have to. Just, you know, make it a free show. And they wouldn't even let them do that. You know, so they got canceled. That was in 2004. So they've only played there three times. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird how certain markets dictate who plays when and who plays where. I mean, like I just said at the beginning of the show, you know, I'm going to go see them again in September, and that's the fourth time they've been here since the end of March in the Chicago area. Yeah, two shows in a row, isn't it? As far as they're coming for two shows on that. Yeah, yeah you know, you're right. Yeah. There, there's two shows at the House of Blues, so that's five times that they've that they're going to play in this area. And yeah. the only other band that I know that does that is like Lucero. Lucero usually comes to Chicago three, four times a year too. But and not that I'm complaining because I'm going to go see them, but it's odd that you, know, you can see them come in the Chicago area four times, five times in a year. And then you're talking Kansas, Wichita, where it's three, four times over a span of like four years. It's a, it's a unique set of circumstances, I guess. It's kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, Living out here in the heartland doesn't always have its perks. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it does, though, for some things. But yeah. Holding All the Roses was after the Whippoorwill, and that featured, you know, rock and roll again. Holding all Lovely the... video, by the way. Yes, yes. Yeah. Great video. <laughs> Lay It All on Me is one of my favorites. Payback's a bitch. Another, and, li- and Living in the Song is another good tune. Love that song. Yeah. Too High is probably my favorite on that record. Okay. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think, and I'm not really a ballad guy, but it seems like, you know, between Blackberry and Richie, I kind of go for the ballads, which is weird. Except for, like, you know, on Bad Luck Ain't No Crime, Scare the Devil is my favorite. I love that song. You know, but there, I don't know. There's something about, I thought too high if they would release that to radio or if radio would have picked it up. I don't know. Plus that, you know, the message of it. But You know, we, we often talk about bands that are newer, right? I wouldn't consider Blackberry Smoke a new band, but they're a newer band. That makes sense. Um, right, as far as in the, you know, the public eye. Right, right. And we often try to, whenever we're selling a band, a newer band that we like, like, you know, whenever I sell the Rival Sons, which I'm a big fan of, I always say, hey, man, if you like free, bad company, especially Paul Rogers. Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, you're going to love Rival Sons. It's got right. a little Delta Blues feel to it. You know, if you're going to sell someone on Blackberry Smoke, if you love Skinnerd, if you love the Eagles, you're going to love Blackberry Smoke. Um, yeah. Because you almost have to do that in this day and age because people are so in a bubble with their music. It's very hard yeah. for people to test the waters in something new. So you almost have to say, right. well, hey, I know you like Skinnerd. You're going to love Blackberry Smoke. I know you love ZZ right. Top. You're going to love Blackberry Smoke. So they it's, have to taste something familiar. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, you know, I, I fight that battle all the time on Twitter. You know, I, I, I ran a question or I, had, I did a question a few weeks ago 
you know, about like, do you go see the opening act at a concert that you're going to? And yep. some of the responses <laughs> were just head scratchers. Like, I don't think seeing an opening act is a good um, use of my time. It's not an efficient way to use what? my time. <laughs> Someone posted that. Wow. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? Uh, like, like the band that you are seeing, the band that you bought a ticket for was an opening act at some point. And, right. and, and if you want music to survive, I, I know there's, everyone says rock music is dead. It's not dead. Right. It's, it's just not the flavor of the month. It's, right it's, now. Well, it's not the flavor of the month. It's not the flavor of the year um, because right. you, you, you cannot hear it anywhere on radio unless it's classic rock or unless it's a local college station or a local independent station because all record or all radio stations are owned by these big conglomerates and they just push out the same crap over and over again. They don't allow any DJ to, to determine what they play. There's no deep cuts. There's no... You know, it used to be when you and I were growing up, when we were younger, the radio station we tuned into, of course, would play the popular songs, right? But they would also play the 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 sixth song or or the or, or the or the fourth song on side two. You know, like right. you, like wow, this is a cool track. Not a hit at all. There was no demographics to worry about. There was no, you know, we got to our advertisers want us to reach out to the young crowd. They're just going to play a good tune, whether it was a popular one or not. That's gone. And that's never coming back. So for a band like Blackberry Smoke or a band like Rival Sons, you've got to get out there and tour. You've got to get out there and play. But when someone like does not want to listen to new music and they say they're music fans, you're not a music fan. You're not. If you're a fan of music, you want to constantly discover new music. Um, right. You know, if you're if you're trapped in the same stuff you were listening to 20 years ago and you're not listening to, you know, I, I keep saying their names, you know, Blackberry Smoke, Rival Sons, you know, the Struts, whatever it is, whatever's new, you're 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 losing out because there's a lot of great new music out there. We just, you know, we did a show before on Richard Cot on Richie Cotson. Here's a guy whose music is top notch. I mean, it's incredible. You know, he, he has more popularity now because of the winery dogs than he did years ago, but even, right. but that guy should be playing at least small theaters, you know, and, right. you know, you know, 2000, 5,000 theaters and he's playing small clubs and I, I don't mind. Right. I mean, like yeah. being able to see Richie Cotson 10 feet from me is great. Going to Blackberry smoke and seeing them in, in, in smaller theaters is great. I love that intimacy, but there's also some frustration being a music lover and being fans of these artists that you, you wish they were big. You wish they were, they were more popular because, um, all the hard work that they put in the great songs that they write, you know, should be recognized by more people. Exactly. And that's like, I mean, Blackberry Smoke, they're, you know, like you said earlier, they're, they're road dogs. I mean, I can remember when they used to play 250 to 300 dates a year. Wow. They, they've trimmed it down a little but you know, and I think that's because they go overseas now. But, so, you know, they have breaks in between there and, you know, everything. But they're still doing 200 dates a year, you know, which is almost unheard of. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see Beyonce doing that. No, no, you don't. <laughs> or Luke Bryan or no. Lake Shelton or whoever the flavor of the month is, which I'm so far out of touch with that. I don't even know who the flavor of the month is. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, the, the, the country Florida thing, Georgia line, which I, I, I couldn't even tell you a song by, by the Florida Georgia line. I couldn't even tell you I a can, song by Luke Bryan. Tell you one. And that's only because it's written by Blackstone and Cherry. <laughs> really? Yeah. They had a, and the only way I knew this, I went into a convenience store and I don't remember what year this was, but the gal always listened to country radio and I would give her all sorts of crap about it. And I walked in there one day and I go to the, you know, go to get, grab a pop or whatever. I hear this song and I'm like, that sounds like Blackstone Cherry stay. I'm like, what the hell? Who, what? And I'm like, you know, after about 30 seconds, I'm like, that is the song. And I'm like, ooh, what, how, what, ooh, you know? <laughs> and so I walk up to the counter and she's singing it. And I'm like, who the hell is this? And she's like, oh, this is Florida Georgia Line. And I'm like, no, it's not. And she's like, yeah, it is. And I'm like, this is not a Florida George Line song. Yes, it is. It's on their CD. And I'm like, well, actually, it's a Blackstone Cherry song. But I digress. This is fucking horrible, you know. And she was like, what? And I said, look it up online. So she looked it up. And lo and behold, you know, writing credits. There it is. The guys from Blackstone Cherry. But uh, I was happy for the guys in Blackstone Cherry because, you know, it probably made them a nice chunk of change. But. Um, I wanted to gouge my ears out with a spoon. <laughs> you know, it's horrible. <laughs> like you tone deaf. What anyway? It was just like, Ugh. so that, that's the only way I know any of their songs. Well, I know, I, I, well, well, Charlie Star does write for a lot of other people, though. But moving on, you know, to the next record, right? Which is like an arrow, which is the album that. I discovered Blackberry Smoke with Sunrise in Texas. That was the uh, that was the song that kind of brought me in and exposed me to really. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I have bootlegs from Blackberry Smoke dating back to oh four oh five of them playing that song, and it used to be like, "Why don't you put it on a record?" Oh, we recorded it. We just didn't like the way it came out, and they finally, you know, ten years later, they put it out. It's a great yeah. track. Yeah. Is, yeah, is, oh, I agree. And is that a cover or was that co-written by somebody? I do. Well, I don't have the liner notes handy, but I do believe it was a co-write. Okay. It may it may actually be a cover, but I do. I'm thinking it was a co-write. But And there was another song that they used to perform back there in 2006, 2007 that I had bootlegs of, you know, them performing. And it was like, ah. Why don't you guys put this on a record? And somebody leaked it online, the studio version of it within the last year called Grown Woman. And I think it was either another collaboration or might actually been a cover that they did, you know, or where, you know, they recorded songs, you know, during that whole Nashville phase or whatever. But it's on YouTube. All you got to do is, you know, type in Blackberry Smoke Grown Woman. But I've got bootlegs where they did that song years ago. 
know. And it was just like, ah, but they haven't put that on now. But yeah, Sunrise in Texas, they got old bootlegs of them doing that on there. Like an Arrow also features the duet with Greg Allman, Free on the Wing. Yeah. Um, features another great song, Like and an Arrow, the, the title track. written with Brandon, the keyboardist, too. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's another, yeah, good point. Working for the Working Man was one of my favorites on that record. Let It Burn, I like, Waiting for the Thunder. Just a solid record. That came out that came out in a weird time. That was, you know, when I was starting, I was having health issues. You know, I can remember being in ICU listening to that on my phone with my little headphones in so I wouldn't disturb the whole, the ward, you know, but that was kind of, that was one of the ones I just never, because it, it came out in a funky time in my life, you know, because I was in that ICU. I just never had the chance to totally crank that up as much as I wanted to that record. And anyway, so that's my, the good life, that song on there, that's my favorite song on the record. Cause I mean, it just reminds me of the relationship that I have with my dad who was thankfully still around as well as Charlie. But that, I mean, I remember, you know, cause I was going through what I was going through at the time and I heard that song and I mean, it just brought me to tears and that, I mean, it's still, Whenever I'm down, if I hear that song, it picks me up. Music does that for a lot of people, like including myself. I know there's an artist that actually has a connection with Blackberry Smoke, Butch Walker, who yeah. is from Atlanta, Georgia. He has a relationship with the Turner brothers, Richard and Britt. And the story that, that Butch tells is that when he would rehearse, I don't know if this is when he had the band Marvelous 3 or if it was the Floyd's or Floyd's Funk Revival. He had a couple other bands before or after Marvelous 3 before his studio stuff. But he, Richard and Britt were like in a death metal band. Nihilist. Yes, yes, Nihilist. And they used to rehearse right next door to each other. And that's how, you know, Butch got to know those guys. And, and, and I think it was two months ago he got up and jammed with Blackberry Smoke when they came to Atlanta. So um, he still maintains that relationship. But getting back to what you said, how, you know, music can really help you. Butch's music got me through my divorce 10 years ago. You know, the album Sycamore Meadows, the album I Liked You Better When You Had No Heart are two albums that I listened to constantly during that whole transition period. So, yes, music has a way of, you know, helping you deal with a lot of different things going on. Yeah, see, Kind of weird because not too long after I got their Library Smoke's debut record is when I went through my divorce. <laughs> and it was kind of, it was kind of, actually, it was a good thing, you know. I wasn't too down about it, but, you know, and that album's pretty raucous. They were full of piss and vinegar at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and I was living it up, I guess you could say, you know, and I met a lot of new friends and you know, starting over and stuff. So that was kind of the soundtrack to my year. <laughs> a lot of late nights at the, there, the town I was living in at the time, at the time they had a bowling alley, which had a really awesome bar in it. And the, the guy who owned the bar, like to like use me as a guinea pig for new drinks. He was concocting, you know, so on gig. the weekends. I'd, huh? That's a good gig. <laughs> yeah. And so on the weekends, I'd go in there with a fistful of cash, you know, and I know it like Friday and Saturday night, I'd go in each night with like a hundred bucks. 
I'd stick a 20 aside so I could go out to the truck stop and have breakfast afterwards. But I'd go in and Doug would be like, here, I you know, came up with this one. Let me know what you think. Ride down to the truck stop afterwards and have breakfast. Or Actually, I wasn't having breakfast. I had what, these, what they're called Mexican platters at this truck stop, which like people would be like, how can you eat that being that drunk? You know, and I was like, oh, it's freaking delicious. You know, and I wouldn't ever have a problem. You know, and then we'd go back to my apartment and, you know, crank music till like eight or nine in the morning. I'd take a nap and get up to work two in the afternoon or what have you. I'm like, how the hell are you doing it? And I'm like, I love life. Woo-hoo. You know, I'm free after five years. Know the feeling. Know the time. feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, music does have that connection with people. And that's, you know, really where when you utilize music as that tool for comfort or no. that, that tool for joy, it always seems to do the job. It's like the perfect medicine sometimes. And that's one of the things I like, you know, and I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. I don't know if you're even aware of it, but like on Facebook, Blackberry Smoke has the Blackberry Smoke Brothers and Sisters page. Their fan base is really, you know, like a familial vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And it has a real family vibe to it. I've never, you know, I've been to, you know, I don't know how many shows of theirs or whatever, but I've always met some of the nicest people, you know, there, you know, and then you, you get to talking to them and it turns out, you know, they've been Blackberry Smoke fans for, you know, like the last three records or whatever. And it's like, where the hell have you been? You know, you know, and I've met some people online through that, you know, that brothers and sisters page that are the same way. And I've watched them, you know, people going through their trials and tribulations in their personal life, you know, and you'll, everybody, you know, gets on their chats and everything, you know, and everybody there just kind of seems to pick one another up. So kind of a plug for that page, but I'll have to check that out. They're, they're starting to get some there. Of course you get a few bad eggs every now and again, but the the administrators of the page they do a good job of weeding that crap out they do a really good job of i mean i've never seen any trolls on there as far as that goes but then you get a couple like right now kind of the current bitches is they're only playing 45 minutes opening for chedesky trucks well they're the opening act they're not going to play two hours now right are you not seeing who's at the top of the ticket, you ding-dong? <laughs> you know? I mean, that's, but, that's pretty standard, you know? You know, and they're getting on there, and they're like, this is bullshit. Blackberry Smoke's only playing 45 minutes. And this other band's like, you know, playing an hour and a half, two hours. And well, you know, it's their tour. That's, but, that's been one of the things that has stopped me from starting a, a, a Facebook page for our podcast is – you know, as we continue to grow and get more listeners and whatnot, I don't want to be sitting on Facebook 24-7 having a full-time job of deleting posts. I don't want to do it because right. it always seems like every music page that I'm on, there always seems to be just some, you know, idiots that come on and just, you know, we live in that time and in, in, in society that, you know, everyone's opinion, they view their opinions as fact. They view their as right. opinions as they're right and everybody else is wrong. And there's just no discussion, whether it's a music page, whether it's a news article. I, I, I stopped reading the, the comment sections on news articles just because it looks like the end of the world. The yeah. If you ever want to have some fun and just 
you know, if you if you're feeling down and you want to you want something to pick you up, go over to the Steve Perry um, music fan page, and when you see the people that are on there, you will instantly feel better about your life, no matter <laughs> where you're at, because there are people that are on that page. There are women that are on that page that feel, for whatever reason, they are going to be the next Miss Steve Perry. And it's not just one. It's not just two. It's a lot of them. And they're all. Yeah, I've noticed Steve oh, Perry. Wow. Female fans. Are, wow. Yeah. It is. It is. If you want to see what hell looks like, go over there, and that'll give you the indication that this is holy. I mean, so when, you know, when I go on pages like that, or there's been other pages, it just seems like it just gets out of control. It's so hard to maintain, and I, I you know, I've been asked, you know, to to create a Facebook page, and I just haven't had the motivation just because I don't know what if I want to do it, but well. So this one, the, it's Blackberry Smoke Brothers and Sisters page. The main administrators, which are a couple, um, Eric and Trish, I won't say their last name just in case. I mean, people know who they are on the page, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they do a mighty fine job of keeping people's asses in line. Good. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, I stepped out of line and quickly got my ass put back in line by them, you know. And everything's been fine ever since. But they, I mean, they do a, they run a tight ship. I mean, he's Eric, Eric, the you know the husband. They call him the sheriff for a reason. He'll throw your ass in jail, you know, <laughs> pretty quickly. Yeah, but, that's good. You know, it's 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 a really cool it's really cool community they have with fans. You know, and Britt gets on there, and Paul gets on there, and Brandon gets on there. And, you know. It's, awesome. it's really, really cool. That's awesome. You know, and they, they, they put, get together these meetups in, you know, different cities or whatever. And, you know, before shows and it's, it's a really cool, you know, I guess it would be similar maybe, you know, obviously not on the same scale, but kind of like what the grateful dead had back in the day, you know, but obviously not nowhere near as big or as stone, but you know, I mean, they have meetups and, you know, get together and what well, have you. Well, maybe when this, this podcast released is released, you can, you can drop the link over on the Facebook page and maybe, uh, I will definitely do. Awesome. So m- moving on to after like an arrow is the album they're currently on tour with. And that's find a light, which I really yeah. connected with. Um, yeah, I really love this record, you know, from, you know, the first song flesh and bone, uh, run away from it all is just a great, great track. The crooked kind medicate my mind, which is, um, become a standard at their shows. Now let me down. Easy is a good tune. Mother mountain. I love, uh, best seat in the house. Uh, I've got this song. I just love this that, record. That one, that song right there, you know, back to the ballad thing, I guess must be a ballad or at heart and didn't realize it, but, that song has gotten me through so much in the last year, what year and a half since it came out. Mm-hmm. You know, the, that song really struck a nerve with me because it was right. It came, you know, I got the CD right around the time I was able to get back to work and getting back on my feet, and my health issues and check and 
you know, and it was like, yeah. And then, you know, I had a, or have a friend, uh, Valerie, that she was going through a lot of personal shit at the same time. And, you know, it was like, here, check this tune out, you know, and it, it brought her to tears. And so that's kind of our little, that song is kind of our, you know, like our song, you know, but must, must be something with a damn ballad. I never realized. That <laughs> you're, a you're, you're, you're a softy crash. That's, that's what you're, yeah, yeah. that's what you're telling me is you're, you're a softy. Maybe, maybe all these female friends I've had all over the years that always call me teddy bear or on I didn't I think like. they're, I think they're, they're telling you something, man. I think they're right. Yeah, I thought they're, I thought they're smoking something. No, no. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, they're, you're, you're, you're ballad. Your your uh, love for the for the ballads shows that off. So, I uh, yeah, it usually has something to do with some with something with the lyrics in them. I don't know, mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, "Scare the Devil" is not a ballad. That one off the first album for some reason grabs me. I don't know what it is. And that, and that's like, one of the things with Blackberry Smoke too is their is their writing. I mean, Charlie yeah. Starr writes a lot of the material. Just really well well-crafted songs, songs that have a lot of meaning to it, songs that can connect you with you on different levels. Um, and he's evolved as a songwriter too. I mean, if you look back at some of their earlier stuff to, you know, what it is now, I mean, the black, you know, the band Blackberry smoke has their sound, right? Right. They have evolved with the subject matter of their, of what they write about, um, the way they present the song, the way they tell the story of the song, um, you know, if you look back, you know, all the way from their first record, there has been an evolution and that's what I always enjoyed for me, you know, outside of like a band like ACDC, which you've heard one ACDC song, you've heard them all, but that's fine because they all sound awesome. Yeah. I need an artist to evolve with me. You know, I need an artist to grow as I'm growing as a person. And I, and I like when a band yeah. does that in Blackberry smoke is a perfect example of a band that's been able to do that. Yeah. I mean, you can always tell it's Blackberry smoke, but it's like, kind of like with Richie, you can always tell it's him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but there's always a little something that it's different from the last. And I mean, I think it says a lot for, you know, them as musicians and as songwriters and, you know, or Charlie is a songwriter or, you know, I, I almost think that it's it's one of the benefits of the way the music industry is now. And we, we've touched on this before where with, with Richie Kotzen, right? So when you're a you know big act on a major record label and you have hit after hit after hit and your popularity is out of this world, it's very hard for you to evolve. It's very hard right. for you to do something different without pushback because- from your fan base. And this is kind of a, a, an odd example, but just kind of follow along if you will. So if, if Britney Spears who um, decided to do a rock record, right. Or an acoustic based record, how many in her fan base would that connect with? Because she more or less has released the same record over and over again. And I'm sure right. I'm sure Britney Spears probably wants to do something else. I'm sure many artists want to do something else. But when you're a slave to the record label and they own you, it's really difficult to do that. When you're a right. band, you know, when you're a band like Blackberry Smoke, where 
you know, you're on a record label, but you have the you have the independence of an independent artist. You know, you're, you have a lot of freedom to do what you want. You know, when you're Richie, exactly. Kotzen, when you're, when you're Richie Kotzen, you have the freedom to do what you want. When you're Butch Walker, you have the freedom to do what you want. That is great for the music fan of that artist. If, if you want to hear the same thing rolled out over and over again, go listen to pop music. Go listen to country right. pop because that's what you'll get and you'll be happy with that. Did you happen to catch Charlie's interview with Eddie Trunk a few a week or so ago? I did not. Uh, I got to check it yeah, out. He, yeah, I'll send you the link. Um, he was on Eddie Trunk. Besides the usual Eddie Trunkness that you get, he brought up the fact that they were, you know, of course, the last three or four records they've released independently on their own through their own three-legged records. And then essentially other than, you know, Zach Brown's label, which they, you know, Zach Brown basically was just distribution, you know, I mean, granted it was on Southern ground, but you know, he wasn't telling them what to write or how to be or whatever. Eddie Trunk was like, has a major record label ever called you guys? And Charlie's like, not while I've been by the phone or, you know, something along those lines. And he's like, I can't believe that, you know? And he's like, you know, I used to, of course he brings up, I used to be an A&R guy and da, 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 da. I still know some people. So, you know, I'll have to, you know, make some calls or whatever for you. And I'm thinking, Eddie, back off. You know, for one, they don't need a major. They're doing just fine. Right. And I don't, I don't think, and judging by Charlie's tone, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, I don't really think they'd be all that interested if a major record label called. Not at this point. You know, you know I mean, if, if they were first starting out, tw- you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe, yes, the the, the lore of the major record label would, would be attractive. But like you said, they've got a fan base. A major record label is not going to increase that fan base. You know, they're right. not they're not going to put them on MTV. They're not going to put them, you know, or position them. They're, they're just not going to do that. Um, right. And they've been on CMT and right, right. GAC by themselves. So what's the record? What's a major going to do? Nothing. I was, I was just thinking, shut up, Eddie. You're stuck in the 80s. The only thing the you record company is going to do is tell them what to put on a record and take a piece, uh, take a cut of the pie when 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 right. that when you know that stuff starts to sell that's the only thing a record company is going to do if they're on their and probably own tell them to cut their hair and how to dress right and and <laughs> and, and, and now that they're have their own record company they distribute everything on their own they keep everything basically you know after production yep. costs are paid for after you know studio time is paid for you know they got to pay their road crew they keep everything everything they put out they make why would yeah what you know I don't understand why don't someone, know. you know, unless you're a pop music star, I don't know why you'd want to be on a, on a, on a major record label. Um, well, and Eddie brought up rival sons and of course, you know, how he had to, he had to, you know, pat himself on the back that he's champion rival sons for years. Well, now they're signed to Atlantic, you know, after being on earache for all these years, which is actually Blackberry smokes European label, you know, rival sons was on earache for their first three or four records or whatever, but now they're on Atlantic and, He's like, you know, it's about time they got signed by a major label. And I'm like, honestly, I heard more buzz about their first several records 
than I have about anything about a new rival Suns record being on Atlantic. Yeah. The Atlantic's PR people aren't doing their job. I love rival Suns too. I've been in the rival Suns for, you know, the past decade. But, you know, like you said, you know, they got signed to Atlantic. I had no idea they were on a major record label. I got I got their new record. I think I heard that for the first time that they were on Atlantic Records like probably four months ago, and I had to get up and go look. I'm like, oh yeah, it, it is on Atlantic. <laughs> so I had no yeah. idea, and, and and it's certainly not helping. They, you know, I saw Rival Sons in May. No, it wasn't May. Was it May? Maybe at House of Blues. It wasn't. I mean, it was sold out, um, but it was a House of Blues. I mean, it's a that's a fifteen hundred capacity place you know now they're going to be doing a tour with stone temple pilots they're playing the aragon ballroom which is hmm. i think three to four thousand i want to say i could be wrong but that'd be a good show yeah yeah i mean i i may i actually may go to that but a major i mean they're going to get there anyway i mean i don't understand the the motivation for a major record label maybe they're getting money maybe it's about money and kudos to them if they're doing that i know rival sons are is huge in europe and in the UK, well, but um, you know they haven't really been able to match that in the US. So I don't know. But yeah, getting back to your point with BlackBerry Smoke, I don't, I don't see what a major record label would do for them at this point. I, I, yeah, I don't either. That's, I, well, I was just sitting there going, "Shut up, Eddie." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, between that and his one, you know talking about when he saw them at Rocklahoma or whatever, you know, the connection between Jackal and Blackberry Smoke, like I guess Jesse had told Eddie how, you know, he had worked with them on that first record and, you know, took them on their first real tour and what have you. And then of course, you know, Eddie wanted to go into the business for himself about how Jesse, you know, should have been paying him for being on stage all that time there at Rocklahoma with them, you know, and I'm just like, I just about, thankfully I didn't shut the interview off then because I really can't stand Eddie Trunk, you know, and especially, especially since he got on the Richie Totson bandwagon. I remember the first time we ever had Richie on there. I was just like, well, this is going to be good for Richie because of Eddie Trunk's reach. But then I was just like, I hope Eddie don't actually really like him all that much because then I know what's going to happen. And then lo and behold, you know, now he, you know, he likes to go around and take all sorts of credit. And I'm just sitting there going, oh crap, not now Blackberry smoke too. You know, but. <laughs> I, I like what Eddie does for the genre. Cause let's face right. it, let's face it. There's not a lot of voices that has his platform to speak about rock music and new rock music. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think he does a great job carrying the flag, carrying the torch for rock music. And I don't think anybody right. will, would, would dispute that. I do get little, a little put off how he tries to put himself in everything and well, make it about him. Like he's a member of the band. <laughs> right. Quite honestly, and I don't know if this is true. This is pure speculation. But it wouldn't surprise me if the artists or bands that act like quote unquote friends of Eddie only do the show because they know he has the platform. They know they tolerate him. <laughs> they tolerate him because, and I'm sure there, there, there are a few that, that genuinely have a relationship with him and I'm not going to dispute that, but 
some of the things that he says, you know, and, and then and then when he tries to walk back things, he does it incorrectly. Um, right. I love I, I listen to Eddie. I like listening to his show. He has exposed me to new bands and new artists. Yes, he has. I'll admit that. But it doesn't always have to be about him. And I think that's the unfortunate thing that he's kind of taken on. And it seems to have gotten worse and worse and worse over time where, you know, sometimes when you're listening to a show, you're just like, Jesus, just stop it already. Okay. Yeah. We get it. You know, it's like. So uh, I was that way for a long time with him as far as that goes. And I would, you know, I would, you know, if he had anybody on that I was remotely interested in, I'd listen to him. And then I had a chance to meet the guy. And now I'll only listen to him, like, say, if Richie's on mm-hmm. or like this time Charlie was on. Other than that, he can go fly a kite. You know, I just, I, yeah, when I had the chance to meet him and, when I went up to introduce myself to yeah, him, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I just went up to introduce myself and he basically turned his nose up at me and like, you know, who the hell are you to put your hand out to me? And then when I was introduced to him by the artist, then all of a sudden he wanted something to do with me because the artist and I are friends and the, you know, it was the artist making the introduction. And I was just like, yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just like, to him, it's a popularity contest. Yeah. Anyways, that's all I'll say about that. But you know, it's just he. Anyway, but well, I, I agree. He does a lot for music. You know, does. rock music. He but. does. Right. No, right. I mean, no. He he does a lot, and you know, he is he is a strong voice in the genre. I just don't like everything he has to say. Um, right. And you know, I I, th- I remember was it the Janie when Janie Lane died. From Warren, he passed away. Wow. Eddie, Eddie gets on his show and he starts talking about, or he, he did a, it was either on his show or on his Twitter feed or something like that. And he mentioned how he made the obituary for Janie Lane. And I'm just like, are you serious? Are you, are you kidding me? You, you feel the need to promote that and tell people about that? And that put me off a little bit. That was like, eh. he, oh, he yeah. was saying he wrote Janie's. No, 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 not that he said, not that he wrote Janie Lane's obituary, but he was mentioned in either the obituary or like the remembrance. You know how they remember somebody or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, it was just it was very low class. It was like, come on, man. You know, this isn't about you. Okay, <laughs> the guy, the guy just died. Shut the hell right. up. You know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, back but, yeah, yeah. Janie's death was sensitive subject for me. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about that offer. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, getting yeah. back to Blackberry Smoke, though, my, you know, I first saw them live for the first time on their acoustic set on their acoustic tour. And Lucky I, you. Yeah, and I mentioned this to you. We were talking on on DM and on, on, on message. I've seen a lot of shows, as you know. You know, I mean, I go to a lot. And you've seen a lot of shows. It was the first time in a long, long time where a band sounded perfect. Like they sounded exactly like the album. I remember being at the show and I don't know if it was the second night I went or the first night, but I closed my eyes. And because that gives you a different experience when you're hearing live music and you close your eyes. 
Um, Cause you lose the visual. You just hear the music. And I, you know, I listened for a few moments with my eyes shut and I just said to myself, man, that's fantastic. That is, man, that is close to perfect. That is as, as perfect as you possibly could be. And, you know, that's a testament to their musicianship um, and, and really owning their craft. You know, the music is not complicated. It's very simple. But sometimes the simplicity is often what's so great about it. You know, less I mean, is more. Yes, yes. And, and, and I think they, and this is not a dig at all, less is more, they've mastered that. And yeah. they can make less is more sound so rich and so full when you're hearing them. That's a testament to a band that really can, can command the stage and really know their instruments. Just, just awesome, awesome show. Yeah, I would, I would give my left arm. Well, maybe not. I'm like, crap. I got <laughs> tattoos on both arms. But yeah, I would give my left leg to see them in an all acoustic setting. You know, because you see, well, you, like you got the EP that you know the Southern Round Sessions and you know the radio shows that they've done over the years and you know different meet and greets they've done like at music stores or whatever they did like a half hour set. You know, they did one. I don't know how many years ago. I, for some reason, I'm going to say it was in Michigan, but I could be wrong. You know, and it was on YouTube. Somebody filmed it, you know, really nicely, and it was on YouTube. And to, but to see him in a setting like that would just, yeah, I was really bummed that he didn't come around here. And they might. I mean, I think, I think, you know, with the success that that tour had, um, I could see them doing it again. And I think it's also helps them too. You know what? Did, what did the great Don Henley once say? If you want to succeed in this in this industry, you've got to have a very short term memory. You know, when you're up right. there playing song after song, the same song night after night, and and Blackberry Smoke does kind of break it up a little bit. But when you have a chance to do a leg of a tour with just acoustic, it does keep it interesting. And yeah. you know, I, I could see a band like that doing that again because it was a successful tour. And I think they enjoyed themselves. I mean, the second night that I saw them in Rockford, Rockford's own Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick came on and jammed I Want You to Want Me on stage with them oh, acoustically, wow. which was an awesome thing to see. Just kind of knowing them and, and, and knowing, not knowing them personally, but knowing that they seemed to enjoy what they did on stage during that tour. I, I could see them circling back and doing that again. Well, maybe they'll make it an annual thing, you know. I'd love take it. Take a month out every year, month or two, and do an acoustic thing. That that would be stellar. Absolutely. I mean, I think. yeah. I mean, you know, and they're you know we're halfway through 2019 at this point. You know, they do seem to be putting out a record every two years. So, you know, next year they'll probably do a new release. I knew, I know they were going to Europe. Or they did they they come back from Europe already? And I, of course, they're doing that tour with the record company. That sounds that's such a weird name for a band. Yeah, they just got back right before yeah. you saw them. Okay, so they were in Europe. Ago. You know, I don't know if they're, they plan on going anywhere else after this leg. I mean, um, I think it, it may have been with Eddie Trunk, but I think from what they said is here in the next month or two, they're gonna here in the next couple months at least, they're gonna put out a double live 
record DVD thing from their uh, Thanksgiving Tabernacle show from last year. Mm-hmm. You know, finish out like the year touring here. I think here's it. They're, they're going to do, you know, the U.S. tour, you know, up till like December. And then he said the plan is maybe going and doing the next record while they're off for the holidays, like how they do it all the other times. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I look forward to it. I mean, um, it definitely will be. I can't wait to see that Tabernacle show because, you know, they had, you know, Preston Holcomb up there who you've seen with them, Benji. Yeah. Uh, Shanks or whatever, you know, that's out with them right now, you know, on guitar and percussion. And, you know, they had the Black Betty, you know, background singers with them at the Tabernacle show. And they always have, you know, various hometown guests or whatever. But that's the one thing I hope in my lifetime is I can make it to one of those, uh, either one of their July shed shows there in Marysville, Tennessee, where they have like what they call the Brothers and Sisters reunion. You know, where, I mean, people come from all over the world for those two shows or one of their uh, Thanksgiving weekend tabernacle shows, kind of a goal, (laughs) but because that, you know, they got the the hardcore of hardcore fans travel from all over the world for those, basically, I guess it would be obviously not on the same scale, but, you know, like how KISS fans used to have KISS conventions. But, you know, now these are just big Blackberry Smoke meetups with, you know, fans from all over the world. I I just think that'd be neat to meet a bunch of like-minded folk from wherever. Yeah, I got to get myself to I got to get myself to that. That sounds really cool. Yeah, I think it's every July they do the shed there in Marysville, Tennessee. And it's called the Blackberry Smoke or Brothers and Sisters Reunion. And then the holiday homecoming there, Thanksgiving weekend. It's like they usually do two days. I think it's two dates. The day after Thanksgiving, you know, and then, you know, two days after Thanksgiving, they're at the Tabernacle there in uh, Atlanta. You know, but I mean, people come from all over the world for them. And I think, I think on this next tour with the record company, um, I think they're also going to play in Madison too, which is about an hour. They're playing, they're playing in Madison, Wisconsin um, oh. on this tour too. So maybe I'll check them out in Madison. Maybe I'll go to all three shows crash. There you go. I'll go to Madison and both shows at the house of blues and I'll completely be blackberry smoked. Overdosed. So, yeah. I think uh, that, that, that might be a possibility for me actually. And and no one, no one, the, the buddy who I usually go out of my, uh, I usually go to all my concerts with, I think he'll be up for it too. He'll be like, let's do it. Road trip. There you go. Yeah. It's like the well, last time I saw them, which was, uh, well, it was April 21st, 2018. <laughs> Surprised I remember the date, but, um, my buddy Luke there in Joaquini or whatever. And this guy, he's, he's a hardcore metalhead. It's like Slipknot and you know, those type bands, you know, that's what he's into, you know, anybody likes Jackal and stuff like that, but I'd play Blackberry Spoke when I was living with him, you know, and he'd be like, it's a little too country for me. And it's like, just, just go, you know? And I mean, I, I bought the ticket, so, you know, and I paid for the gas and everything. So it's not like you're out anything. You just had to buy your own alcohol at the show. Okay, fine. You know, so we went and, you know, it, 
they, you know, at the end of it, he said, you know, little, little two country heels, but when they rock Jesus, they rock, you know, and he had a really good time. He goes, I'll be honest. He goes, it was a lot better than I was expecting it to be. It's they, they you know? a great and show. Then, yeah. Yeah. They had Tyler Bryant and the shakedown opening for him too. That <sighs> tour. That was fucking killer. But you know, we went back and met him afterwards or whatever. And, you know, had, you know, I had a real good time hanging out with them. I think I told you the story offline or whatever about mm-hmm. that show as far as Brit and everything, Brit and Charlie and everybody. But, you know, after being sick and what the doctors had said, you know, it was pretty cool to, you know, be well enough to make it to that show. And Absolutely. Then, yeah, that's awesome. You know, but, that's- you know, Luke was like, Tam, I was a lot better than I was expecting. Still a little too much country, but. You know, like, damn it. If if I you could make a the country hang up. Well, yeah, I mean, it is country, but it's not, you know, I mean, it's country rock. And I, and I love that kind of stuff. But well, if, if, if I could make a suggestion um, for who to tour with, a good tour with Blackberry Smoke, a good opening act, one would be the band called Midland or Midlands, which is a great act. I think they're out of Texas, I want to say. And yeah, then, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, they're really good. Or I'd love to see them with Sturgill Simpson, who I love oh, too. Okay. I'd love to see Blackberry Smoke tour with either one of those guys. Speaking of Tyler Bryant, I was just able to see him a couple weeks ago with a bank. Oh, yeah. A bank. Cool. Oh, his new record's awesome. His band is awesome. I did not know that Brad Whitford from Aerosmith's son is in Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown. Did not know yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but. The band that opened for him, I think it's maybe a Cole headline or, or, or whatever it was, the Temperance Movement from Glasgow. Yep. Is a band. They, uh, they oh. did a couple tours of Blackberry over there years oh. ago. Oh my God. Incredible band. The singer's got around like a, the whip wheel. Yeah. The, the, the singer's got like a Joe Cocker, Rod Stewart type, old Rod Stewart, like, like every picture tells a story, Rod Stewart. And good raspy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great. Great musicianship. I mean, seeing them with Tyler Bryant, Tyler Bryant is just a jam. I saw them with Blackstone cherry, um, four or five months ago too. And that was a great show, but Tyler Bryant is another definite up and coming band that needs to be recognized. Yeah, I agree. I've followed Tyler for, I don't know how long it's been since the photographer, Robert M Knight put out his, uh, documentary rock prophecies he featured tyler in it you know and i mean tyler's 17 maybe in it yeah you know and then he went off to nashville and you know and so i followed him ever since and then finally getting to see him you know when he you know was announced they were opening for blackberry i was like i i don't care what i gotta do if i gotta hitchhike just to line up you know because it's like two hours from where we were li- I was living at the time. I was like, I don't care if I have to hitchhike, you know. And I was really glad I did. I'm not one show I'd kill to see is like Blackstone Cherry and Blackberry Smoke do a go headline. That'd be cool. Deal. Yeah, you know, and they're friends. I mean, they you know jam together and what have you. But I just think that would be one hell of a show. There are many possibilities, and it they are a great band. Um, if you enjoyed this conversation, please go and check them out either on their site at blackberrysmoke.com. 
Check out their Facebook page that Crash mentioned, their Twitter account, their Twitter feed, and go check out their music, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on YouTube, or any other platform that you listen to music you know, and get your new music from. Uh, just a fantastic band, fantastic live band. Crash, I appreciate you doing another show, another podcast. We'll think of another subject to, to talk about whatever you want to discuss. If you want to talk about a specific right. artist or a topic in music you want to talk about, um, let me know. We'll think of something. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Once again, this is Jay Scott, and this is The Hook, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again. Thank you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.